This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollock. Tomorrow, Missouri Trout Parks open, and we'll have the best resources for anglers to use as the fishing season gets underway. We'll hear from Missouri Department of Conservation's Andrew Branson later on in this program. St. Louis continues to be the subject of new books, especially on its history. You're going to love this one. Uh, a book written by Vicki and Jim Berger of Crestwood. Ashley Bird will talk with them. Skyrocketing prices of insulin drugs and EpiPens. It's a big issue. One Kansas City area rep looks to put a cap on how much you should pay. And absentee voting time is here for Missouri's local elections in April. Elisa Nelson talks now with the Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft about all things related to absentee voting and the April municipal elections. Anytime you're dealing with, say, a general a general municipal election like this, is you're going to see uh, school board races potentially. You're going to see boards for water districts or fire districts. You might see bond increases for different districts like that. That's the sort of race that you, you, you'll see nonpartisan races, smaller political subdivisions and you might have some city, city council, something like that, depending on the city, but it really tends to be at the city level or those different boards, fire, water, sewer, uh, bond issues for schools, that sort of thing. And I, I would encourage everyone to just reach out to their local election authority, their, their county clerk, their board of elections, depending on where they are, and to find out what will actually be on the ballot, what they should be self-educating about so when they go to vote, they'll be prepared. One of the items this time around, several Missouri cities and counties will also ask voters whether there should be a 3% local sales tax on the purchase of marijuana. So do you know what the potential funding uh, could be used for at the local level on that? That should be part of the actual uh, amendment or, or ballot question that the people are, are answering. A lot of the funds from marijuana under the Constitution are earmarked for veterans, I believe, and also for education. But I would always suggest to people and encourage them that if there's a, a an issue on the ballot, a tax, well, A, I don't like tax increases. Uh, but if you are considering voting for a tax increase, which I generally don't, I would suggest you look at the actual language of that increase, that you look at the actual controlling language so you'll know not only what that increase would be, but where that money would go. Do you think it'll increase voter turnout in any way whatsoever? Or Unfortunately, I think there's going to be very low voter turnout. We generally see voter turnout in municipal elections around low double digits, 12 percent, 10 percent. Sometimes we maybe make it up to 20 percent, which I'd be ecstatic about in a municipal election be just because of certain races. I do think that potential tax increases help to pull people out. Uh, if you look around our society today, the government has plenty of money. It's the normal everyday families that don't. And the idea that they should be paying more in taxes is, is a concern to me. Okay, so April is the primary. And then is there a general later on this year then? Well, generally speaking, with these elections, you're looking at nonpartisan elections. So like with your uh, fire district, your uh, water district, uh, a lot of your city elections, those are nonpartisan. 
So you can just go ahead and you can, you don't have a primary for them. People aren't running as Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Constitutional, or Green. Had to make sure I got all five. They're just running as a candidate. So it's a one-step process generally. So let's talk about what voters need to do if they want to vote absentee. What does that look like? If you want to vote absentee, there is a, a six-week period where you can vote absentee with an excuse. Uh, maybe you're on the you're, you're disabled in some way, so you just can't get to the polls. Maybe you're in an assisted living facility and you just can't get to the polls. Uh, maybe you're going to be out of state uh, on election day. Maybe. You're a student and you're going to college somewhere else. Maybe you're in the military. Uh, for those individuals that have that excuse, they can go ahead and if they're out of state the entire time, they can go ahead and mail a, a, an absentee request form to the local election authority to get an absentee ballot. If they're just out of state or out of the jurisdiction for the election day, they can go ahead and vote absentee in person. I would encourage anyone that's going to vote absentee, if you can, vote absentee in person. You're not counting on the U.S. mail to make sure your ballot gets returned. You're actually there to run your ballot through the tabulator to make sure that it can read all the all the votes you put down, that you didn't put too many votes on one race. If you did, it'll beep and give you a second chance. Uh, and then, of course, we have two weeks now of no-excuse absentee voting. So if anybody that you know doesn't have an excuse but they just don't want to go in on Election Day – they can go ahead and take part in the two weeks of in-person absentee voting the two weeks before the election. Just make sure, of course, when you go to vote in person, you've got that government-issued photo ID. Was last November the first election that we had the no-excuse absentee voting? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, last November was the first election that we had the two weeks of in-person. Well, there was a small election in uh, St. Louis, I guess, uh, uh, right that where we in September where we had that generally speaking across the state the first election where we had it was that November election there was a there was a smaller election action in St. Louis there in September how do you think that went overall being uh I guess the first and second times um we saw that it went really smoothly uh, what we saw were that people had their government issued photo ID they used it and we didn't have the problems that we had been told we would have. We were told there'd be earth-shattering, cataclysmic problems with photo ID for years. And when we actually implemented it, it worked well. So, okay, when voters go to the polls, they're encouraged to take a photo ID come April. And if so, so talk about valid forms of ID and what happens if they don't take one. Dri your your Missouri driver's license, your Missouri non-driver's license your U.S. passport, your military ID, anything like that. Uh, if people have an ID and they wonder if it'll work for their government-issued photo ID requirement, they can call or go online to the Secretary of State's office, sos.mo.gov. The law specifically enumerates some IDs, and then it says if your ID meets these qualifications. So if, they, if someone has a question, they can call us, and we can walk through. They can describe their ID, and we can tell them whether or not it will work. Um, if you go to vote early and you don't have your ID, you'll have to come back. If you are voting on Election Day and don't have your ID, then, of course, you can use the no ID provisional ballot. And what that does is it's a it's actually the same ballot. You'll put your ballot in a provisional ballot envelope and they'll mark that ballot as provisional. And then on that envelope on the outside, you'll provide more information about yourself. You'll sign it. 
and then you'll seal that. So that way they can use the information on the outside of the ballot to verify you are who you say you are before they know how you voted. And then, of course, once the polls are closed, they'll take those provisional ballots out of the secure location. They'll go through them with a bipartisan team. When they verify the identity of the voter, then they run them through the tabulator just like any other ballot. Do the vast majority of those provisional ballots end up getting uh, yes. verified? Well, I should. there are two different types of provisional ballots. There are federal provisional ballots that are for people that do not appear to be registered. Those provisional ballots we uh, generally don't get counted because if you're not registered, you're not allowed to vote in the state. But there are times when someone shows up as not being registered and then we find out there was a mistake. So if in that case, those provision, that provisional ballot would be counted. But the no identification provisional ballots that I was talking about earlier, I would say high 90 percent of those count. So no more electric bills or voter no, registration because cards. that doesn't really prove who you are. We want to see that photo. So, oh, yeah, that that is that person. Does someone mm-hmm. needs a, a government issued photo ID for the purposes of voting and they don't have one? Our office is happy to take care of that for you. Just reach out uh, SOS.mo. Dot gov. Uh, you can send us a, a, a you can send us a request and we'll get right on it. And is there anywhere else that they can get those? Well, obviously, if they have all the information necessary, like the underlying documents, they can go to their fee office and tell them they need the free government issued photo ID for voting, and they can get that done. What we find though is most people, if they don't have an ID, it's because they're missing a document, or they had a name change, or documents got lost in a fire or a flood or something. And in that case, we'd really encourage people to reach out to us. We're happy to be the ones that stay on hold for however long to make sure it gets done so that you don't have to do that. And then what's the deadline to register to vote for the April election? Four weeks out from the election. And I don't have a calendar in front of me. I'm sorry. (laughs) So beginning of March. Yeah. But what I would say is go ahead and register now and then you don't have to worry about it. And once you register, you are registered until you move. So if you registered 30 years ago and have, and have never voted, well, shame on you politely, but you will not be removed from the voter rolls for not registering. So just get it taken care of and then you're done. And most people can actually do it online. Super easy. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft joining Show Me Today. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Mom and dad used to argue about everything especially about dad's drinking. My family went from totally crazy to quiet, calm, and even peaceful when mom started going to Al-Anon family groups. I wanted a better relationship with dad, so I asked mom if she would take me to her Al-Anon meetings or to Alateen. I'm sure glad I did. If someone's drinking troubling you, you might be surprised at what you can learn in an Al-Anon or Alateen family group from people just like you. Call 1-888-4-AL-ANON or go to alanon.org. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. If you talk Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, 
No, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. We're back on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollock. Missouri Trout Parks opening tomorrow. Cameron Connor is with Missouri Department of Conservation's Andrew Branson as he provides some of the best resources for anglers to use as this fishing season gets started. We're talking about the trout parks. Um, and, yeah, March 1 is the, that's the date that ever, every trout fisherman's excited about. That's the openers at the trout parks. And what that means is, for the winter, the trout parks switch to a catch-and-release-only season. Uh, so I think it's uh, November, December, January, February. Uh, it's catch-and-release-only in the trout parks. But starting March 1, people can go to the trout parks and actually keep what they catch. And uh, now, that's again, that's only for the trout parks. Are the other trout waters in Missouri, they're open year-round. People can fish the cold-water streams that have trout in them, and they can catch and keep trout if they'd like year round, but the trout parks, we do have that short little time that's closed, catch and keep on or release only. But yeah, March one is the big exciting. Let's go and fish and keep our trout. Fantastic. And before we get into more details for anglers themselves, I've always been curious because I have an idea, but I've never really grasped the whole concept of the, the hatcheries themselves for these fisheries. What can you describe a lot of the effort that goes into maintaining these trout parks and things like that so that they can catch and keep once the season gets rolling. Yeah, the, uh, that's something we're real proud of in Missouri, and actually Missourians ought to be proud of that as well because that is very unique across the country as far as having the state agency actually run hatcheries where they, where they stock a trout park. Uh, many other states will have trout hatcheries, but they don't stock trout parks. They stock the rivers and streams around the state, and we do that as well, but but again, we've got uh, we've got these state trout parks that are open to the public, um, and a lot of people don't realize that these trout parks it's actually a partnership between the conservation department and the Department of Natural Resources, the state parks. So 
our trout hatcheries are located within the state park. So there's kind of some confusion for folks. They they think the Department of Conservation uh, operates the trout parks like Roaring River and Montauk and and Bennett Springs and, and those. And Merrimack, I guess, would be the other one that we, we stock. But we actually run the hatcheries and the actual park itself, the park grounds, are operated by the other entity. But as far as the hatchery, there is a lot of work, like you said, going into raising these trout. And we, we raise the trout, stock the, the trout parks, and it's it's quite a system, complicated system, where we want to make sure we have uh, enough trout for the amount of people fishing that day. So we actually go back through records, and we see typically how many people we can predict are going to be fishing that day, and we make sure we dump in enough trout for those people to have a successful, happy fish that day. It's kind of interesting. Those numbers kind of change throughout the years. As we look through the records, we know, okay, tomorrow we need to make sure we have this many trout in the park, and the next day we need to make sure we have this many. So uh, uh, it's pretty complicated as far as determining how many fish to raise and how many to to uh, to put in there. But we try to we try to put in a catchable sized fish that people will be happy with. And uh, yeah, it's 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 quite a process. Our hatcheries work together. Um, you know, we can have production shortfalls at one hatchery due to one reason or another um, and the other hatcheries kind of make up for that so it's it's kind of a hatchery hatchery system well we're talking to the fishery program specialist for the missouri department of conservation andrew branson and andrew for maybe some for missourians listening to this and they don't necessarily know where these trout parks are can you kind of give a description of which ones are around the state that are offered Basically, in, in the southern half of Missouri, and, and again, that's where the cold spring-fed uh, waters are. And again, trout need cold water. Trout won't survive uh, in water temperatures that are above 70, so they need to be in colder water year-round. But yeah, we have um, several trout parks that we actually stock. We have hatcheries at, and one is going to be in Roaring River State Park, and then we've got another one. Uh, Bennett Springs State Park. And of course, Roaring River, that's in southwest Missouri, kind of in the Cassville area. Uh, Bennett Springs is in the Lebanon area. Uh, let's see, we've got we've got uh, Merrimack, Merrimack Park. Now, Merrimack is actually not a state park. It's actually owned by the James Foundation, but we, we stock that one as well. We've got Montauk State Park, and that's uh, that's located near the current river. But uh, those are the, st- the trout parks that we stock. Now, we have one other cold water hatchery, uh, the conservation department operates, and that's down in the Branson area, and that's at Shepherd and Hills. But that is actually not a trout park. That hatchery is mainly to stock uh, Lake Tanicomo. So it's it's operated much the same way as far as raising the trout and daily stockings. But it's not stocking a trout park. It's stocking that public that cold water lake. But yeah, those are the areas. There are private trout parks around around the state, and those are not operated by us. Those you have to pay. Uh, you know, they, they each have their various admission fees. But as far as the public trout parks, yeah, these are these are the ones that we work with. And maybe for people that find themselves becoming new Missourians, let's say they're moving out of states where they're used to catching trout or fishing for trout. Let's say in a place like Colorado and they come here and maybe the Missouri Department of Conservation's rules are a little bit different from Colorado's conservation teams. What exactly is the protocols for how you get your fishing license here? Do you guys have a trout tag? Do you Can you apply a trout tag to a year-long thing? Is it a once-per-visit kind of thing? What is the details on that? Yeah, it can be confusing. Like you said, it does vary from state to state. Um, the way it works here in Missouri is uh, the first – everyone will – if they want to catch trout, the first thing they need is a fishing permit. 
uh, or an exemption. Uh, we do have various exemptions. There's age-related exemptions. There's uh, there's some disability exemptions. But for the most part, uh, you will need a fishing permit to fish. And then uh, then a trout. We have a trout permit or a daily trout tag, and that's where it can get a little confusing. The daily trout tags are only needed for the trout parks and you buy those at the trout park the day you show up so it's almost kind of like your uh it's kind of like your ticket to get into the park is the way i often look at it is the uh is the daily trout tag now the trout permit that's an annual permit and uh, it's ten dollars and that is for all the waters outside of the trout parks and uh so yeah, the daily trout tag is only needed inside the trout parks, but the trout permit, uh, for the most part, it's only needed outside of the parks if people want to keep the, the trout that they catch. Uh, if someone's just thinking, well, I don't want to keep the trout, I, I like to fish for them, but I'm not going to keep any. In most cases, you don't need a trout permit. Your, your fishing permit is good enough. Uh, the only spot in the state, uh, or the spots I should say, where you need a trout permit, even for catch and release, is Lake Tanicomo. If you're catching and releasing, you still need a trout permit there. And then also the trout parks, trout parks I just mentioned, uh, during that catch and release season, kind of in the wintertime, uh, no, no daily trout tag is sold, but you will need a trout permit for that. So it can get pretty confusing, um, but for the most part, if people think, okay, if I'm fishing in the trout park, I need a fishing permit and a trout tag. If I'm fishing outside the trout park, I just need a trout permit uh, if I want to keep them. It, it's on our website. As far as where you can get these, you can buy them online at uh, MissouriConservation.org. Uh, you can go to any vendor that sells hunting and fishing supplies, and you can buy them there. A lot of people are using our free fishing app. It's called Mo Fishing, and there's information on our website about how to get this free app. But you can buy permits right through the app, so you can buy them right uh, right then and there wherever you're at the Mo Fishing app that makes it simple and easy for all the anglers across Missouri. Once again, this has been Missouri Department of Conservation's Andrew Branson speaking about the Missouri Catch and Keep Trout season that starts March 1st. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us on Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past a turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's, it's our roads. roads. It's, it's our safety. safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. If you're talking, they will hear you. Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking during the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thank you for talking. 
For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. Like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control, and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Email from school about the incident today. Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night, too. Did you have a clue? No, but you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you're ever concerned about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is gonna tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. We're back on Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack. Ashley Bird is with us now. One of the newest books on the history of St. Louis is out. It's A History Lover's Guide to St. Louis, written by Vicki and Jim Berger of Crestwood. They have written a combined 36 books between them. Ashley has more. You know, there are a lot of books about St. Louis history, even by the same publisher. Tell me what approach your book takes. What, what kind of history book is it meant to be? It is a little bit different. Um, it's kind of a hybrid of a history book, the history of St. Louis, but also the sites that still exist where you can find that history and tying those sites and their history into the overall history of St. Louis. So um, it took us a little while to kind of figure out how to do it when they asked us to do a book like this, but that's what we finally kind of settled on was um, to do it in a hybrid manner of the history and it has to be a place you can go to and see the history in action today. And it's chronological too, right? It starts at the very earliest history with 
um, the Mastodon State Historic Site. So you're you're doing this in a chronological manner too. Exactly, and we did. We want to go back as far as we could find something. So, what what inspired you both to be the writers of this book? Why why did they come to you, and 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 what do you bring to the table here? We um, have done several books for the History Press, both books that we've written by ourselves and books that we've written together. And the editor knows us well enough now to know what we're interested in. And when he comes up with a project, he will call us and ask us if we would like to be involved in that project. And that's how we got involved in that particular one. And you're Missourians who have run a business in Missouri. Uh, you had a bookstore there, so you, you were surrounded by books anyway in the past. We we do. We are booky kind of people. We actually met in a library. Did you really? So, yes. Let's yes, tell folks we we're, ta- we're talking to Vicki Irwin and Jim Irwin, uh, co-authors of A History Lover's Guide to St. Louis. You're listening to show me today. You met in a library. Tell me about that. I'm going to let Jim tell you. Okay. Jim, you're on the hot seat. Okay, well, yeah. Well, I was uh, actually I was in graduate school at the time, and I was researching and uh, had carried these you know, large sack of books. And I guess you were sitting at the table, and I said, you know, can I sit here at the table with you? And uh, she said yes. And uh, I have to say, I don't think I ever looked at those books that night. We started talking. <laughs> and... Uh, talking and talking and then we went over to the union and had a cup of coffee or something and uh, I, I don't know it's that was it I mean we, we've hardly been apart since then and that was in 1972 March 23rd by the way we actually was the day wow and, ha- and happy upcoming anniversary so this from uh, from books that introduced you to running a bookstore to writing books together how how do you work together as a husband and wife on putting together a history book like this? This is uh, one of, she said, one of a, a many projects you've done, and this one is a history lover's guide to St. Louis. How do you how do you work together on that? Well, uh, we basically divided up the topics that we were interested in, and uh, you know, she would, Vicky researched uh, the ones that she had in her list, and I researched the one on my list. We wrote them up, and then. We would kind of go back and forth, and uh, and that's uh, it. Ended up in that way. I mean, we didn't, you know, alternate chapters or anything like that. I wrote more of the general history of, that's in this book. Each chapter has a little bit of general history at the beginning, and then the specific places at the at the end. And uh, she did a lot of specific places, um, which are incredibly fascinating. I have to tell you. And you had to do so much research. There's historical photographs. There's modern photographs so people can recognize, I guess, what they're going to find. But you had to go back to the library and back to the archives to do history uh, research together again. We did. We did a lot of research. Um, you know, it's 
Now it's a little bit easier to do the research because some of it you can do online. But a lot of the research involved in this particular book, we actually went to the sites and talked to the docents or the guides or the director or whoever was there and got some of our information in that that way. And that was fun. We've lived in St. Louis for over 40 years and some of these places we had never been. So it was it was very nice to finally get to see them. You know, we've featured uh, quite a few of these places on Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri, this show. Um, and, you know, I, I'm glancing through and seeing all these. And here with this book, you get them all at once and you can take the book and visit St. Louis and and go to these different places and get sort of a synopsis. This is a, a useful guide. Um, as you were working through this, you mentioned, Jim, that there were some fascinating places. Did you... Were there places that you learned more about or were surprised about? Uh, well, we went to the Limp Mansion, the Demental. Uh, Chateau Demental. I don't know. I'm, I'm butchering the French. But anyway, those places I had never been before. I had heard about them. And uh, the director at the Chateau Demental place gave us all a, uh, gave us a tour, and it was uh, very, very interesting. And, and she even led us, led us into some of the secret places that <laughs> you don't normally get to be in. And uh, that was that was one that was a highlight for me. How about you, Vicky? I think my favorite one was Bellefontaine Cemetery. You can practically learn the entire history of St. Louis just by wandering through Bellefontaine and the next door neighbor Calvary Cemetery. And they're very tied in at at that cemetery to having the story of the person that's buried there. That's that's a really important thing to them and one of the things that volunteers do. I had no idea, first of all, how beautiful it is, and second of all, how interesting it would be to go there and see what they have. Looking at the the contents, do you even count how many places that you visited? <laughs> no, actually, we didn't count them. I ha I really have no idea how many places there were. I, it was it was a little bit over a year's worth of research. Mm. And gosh, yeah, at least at least a hundred. I mean, looking at this. Oh, I would I would say so. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, this history, um, you want to pick out a couple of your favorites? too? you mentioned about um, this the cemetery and other things? Are there areas that you'd like to learn more about now that you've you've done this sort of uh, uh, cursory history? Well, I. Uh... I'm, I'm very interested in the Civil War, so I was interested in those various sites uh, that are still around from the Civil War, in particular Whitehaven, which is uh, Ulysses Grant, uh, uh, historic site where Ulysses and Julia lived for a few years, and and uh, since we lived near Whitehaven, why well, <laughs> uh, I, I learned a lot about the place and uh, what life was like there, uh, and. Uh, it was uh, it was quite quite interesting. And I think for me, and there really aren't that many sites that you can go to. Although there are a few things you can still see. It's the World's Fair. I, I'm just you know absolutely fascinated by that taking place here in St. Louis, and it had a huge effect on the city. There were so many things that happened as a result of it, and of course it put it in the spotlight during that period of time. So that's the one thing that I would 
and plan to do a little bit more research on. I see this book is is to give someone who's coming to St. Louis and wants to visit as a good visitor's guide, a history lover's guide. The title is History Lover's Guide, but I think anybody that's coming to St. Louis, I mean, there are things in there about the zoo and the history of the zoo, things like that. It's not just dry history. It's about the people. It's about the places. It's about things that you can do. So I I think it expands a little bit beyond history lovers, but that's the title of the series that it's in, so we'll go with it. Vicki Irwin and Jim Irwin, the writers of A History Lover's Guide to St. Louis, a, a joint venture. Thank you so much for being with us on Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact, like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now, that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you, and what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Meet Keith, loving dad, board game champ, bus driving pro. I drive 65,000 miles in my bus each year. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. Like how there are some things I simply can't see. On my route the other day, a car tried to sneak past me and ends up right in my blind spot. I turned slowly, so I accidentally avoided it. But no car should be in the blind spot for a 40,000-pound bus. It's, it's our roads. roads. It's, it's our safety. safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. You're listening to Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollock. Anthony Morabeth is with 
Representative Sean Poucher from the Kansas City area, skyrocketing prices for insulin drugs and EpiPens. And the representative says there should be a cap on how much you pay. House Bill 342, uh, basically it came to me, this is my third year filing this. Filed it originally just because I had a family friend who brought this issue to me, his insulin costs. He was a type 1 diabetic born with it, indecent health, uh, mid-50s, but had been paying, you know, insulin for his whole life. And his insulin costs had gone up about three to 400% in the last few years. And he was just like, what in the world? And he was just like, can you find out anything about this after I elected? I'm like, well, let me dig into it. Fortunately, he was uh, in a position where he could afford that. However, after my investigation, a lot of people are not. And there's a lot of people rationing insulin. There's a lot of people selling it, sharing it um, just to, to live. And then their quality of life obviously goes down because they're not getting a sufficient amount. So I kept digging into it and found that it's almost more of a systemic issue um, across the country, not just here in Missouri. And so that's why I kept digging, and that's why I filed it for the third year, and I'm just hoping to bring it to light and hopefully get some uh, relief for the people of Missouri. I think a more common uh, term for epinephrine would be uh, what I call EpiPens. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's how I understand epinephrine. And uh, especially in the news over the past, I'm going to say five, six, maybe seven years, kind of what you were saying, uh, I immediately think of the stories in recent years of these drug companies gouging the prices of EpiPens. And I, I, I understand Martin Screlly and his whole thing may not necessarily be related to EpiPens directly, but those types of stories immediately come to mind when I think of this type of legislation. And and so the first question when talking about this bill is, I understand from a Missouri point of view, but do you think this should be from a federal point of view? Yes, thank you. And sorry, I did, on the epinephrine. Yeah, the epinephrine is even more substantial because when it was created in 1977, the cost was $57.00. And currently now a two-pack, two years ago, was $700 for the same stuff. And I understand the insurance companies and the manufacturers are saying R&D, you know, they've created, you know, much better delivery things and easier to track and easier to monitor. I understand that. However, people can't afford that, so we have to have an option. And, yes, I do believe it's more of a national level. And I think uh, President Biden has, has started last summer to try and limit insulin bills or insulin costs out of pocket of $35 for Medicare and also for those that are insured. However, that doesn't change the cost that the manufacturers are charging for the drug. Therefore, the insurance companies are picking up the base of that tab, and then therefore it's going to roll back into higher premiums for everybody else. So I, it, it's a start, but I think we've got more, more to go on. We're talking with Republican Representative Sean Poucher of Kansas City, joining Show Me today to talk about his proposed bill relating to insurance coverage for insulin drugs and epinephrine, or EpiPens as I call it. And so your bill requires insurance to limit how much Missourians can and should pay for auto injectors and prescription insulin drugs. Is it as simple as here's the number, you can't go as high as this number? In a perfect world, yes, it is that simple. Uh, here's it, it, and that's all you can charge, and you can't charge the insurance company anymore either. However, in the bigger world, it is more convoluted, and I, I really don't like to get in the middle of free market and the economy, and I think competition is great. 
However, I don't believe there's enough competition here in this market. There, uh, there are only three, basically, manufacturers of uh, insulin, for instance, that provide 90% of it. Um, their patents keep getting renewed in the U.S., therefore nobody else can enter the market at all. And I think that's created a sort of monopoly by these three, and I think that needs to be addressed at the national level. Um, but I'm just trying to help uh, bring it to light and hopefully get an open, honest discussion on it so we can find an answer for people. Now let's take a look at the dollars and the sense of this piece of legislation. House Bill 342, it looks like some statewide organizations are for the legislation, and it looks like others aren't. So let's talk about the ones that are for the legislation for the sake of conversation first. It looks like, for example, correct me if I'm wrong, MoDOT is for this idea. And and something tells me on that same note, uh, obviously insurance companies wouldn't be uh, for this sort of idea. So talk to me about those that do support this. I haven't really heard anybody saying this is a bad legislation. Everyone's concern is obviously the cost. Who's going to foot the bill? Because the cost isn't going to change when it comes down to it. Someone has to pay for it. Uh, DOT has some concerns because obviously they insure some of their people and they realize that's going to be an extra cost to them. So they have to plan for that. So there's going to be a fiscal note for them, I believe, if I recall. But other than that, it's, yeah, it's mostly the insurance company saying, look, we have this is what we're charged. Who's going to pay for this? So it, as it always normally in this building, it's going to come down to money, unfortunately. On the flip side, I was also looking into this. Some municipalities across the state, correct me if I'm wrong, aren't necessarily for this idea because they say it could negatively financially impact the city. I was reading, uh, for example, Springfield as well as Kansas City, basically saying it could uh, impact the cities and the municipalities in a way that it would raise the health insurance premiums. Correct. Those uh, municipalities that provide health coverage or some kind of cost differential to their current employees and, and retired employees will have a greater financial outlay if this was to happen because then it puts it off the final end consumer and puts it back on the insurer same as the insurance companies in the bigger thing so like i said this is the idea is to finally get hopefully an honest and open discussion with maybe the manufacturers have them come in provide their piece insurance companies it needs to be a bigger discussion and see where we can get to it. Not everyone can afford a Cadillac, and I agree, I appreciate the Cadillacs have been provided by the R&D, by the manufacturers, but if I can only afford a Volkswagen, then I should be able to buy the Volkswagen. We're talking with Republican Representative Sean Poucher of Kansas City. His proposed piece of legislation relates to insurance coverage for insulin drugs and epinephrine. So uh, you proposed this, uh, as you had mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, uh, both last year and the year before. And, and, and so talk to me about what happened those times you, you brought this forward and, and, and why is it that uh, it didn't pass? So the last two times uh, I've had committee hearings on it, received, you know, Positive and negatives from both, just the same things we've discussed this morning. Uh, the insurance companies have issues with the cost. Those, you know, hearing their constituent stories say, hey, we've got to do something. These people are suffering and sharing and things of that nature. Uh, unfortunately, it's never gotten to the floor and had a vote. Uh, so hopefully I'm trying to get, at least get it to a vote and get in the bigger discussion from the entire floor and, in theory, over to the other side of the building in the Senate and see what we can go from there. And so uh, on that same note, in, in terms of those who may be for or against, the, the one thing that immediately crossed my mind is um, 
the, the impact this could possibly make on, on small businesses um, and like things like equipment providers and medical services and uh, things like that? What, what's your take? Small businesses, I'm, I'm not sure that it should affect too much. Uh, it's going to obviously based on their plans that they can af- afford and provide to their employees. Uh, so in that respect, yes, it could. Um, but like I said, if we don't have the bigger conversation to cop the entire cost of it, not just who pays for it, then, yes, somebody's going to have to pay. So like I said, hopefully we can find uh, the right mix and the right solution to this. And as we're wrapping up our conversation, I like to close on this note, and I like to close with this question because it's a good way of sort of wrapping things up with a fine bow. Uh, talk to me about the level of support, the opposition. Are you expecting its passage? You talked about this uh, a little bit earlier, um, but what makes it different uh, this year in 2023? So this year I expect it to get out of committee and actually go to the floor, hopefully for a, a full discussion of the entire body. Um What's different this year is uh, obviously the uh, influence or the uh, information from uh, the president. You know, he focused on it. Uh, he said there's an issue. Uh, hopefully, that raises a level of clarity and understanding around or that hey, we're serious about this. We're not just complaining. Uh, we need to have a, a, a real discussion on it, and I hope we can have that this year. And if not, I'll be here again next year. And it's uh, House Bill 342, which you could uh, follow online at house.mo.gov. And that's our Republican Representative Sean Boucher talking about his proposed bill relating to insurance coverage for insulin drugs and epinephrine. This is Show Me Today, Boise, Missouri. Hi, Grandma. Can Nina come over for dinner? Sure. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! If anyone ever does, I want you to say, no, I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. I promise, Grandma. They really do hear you. For tips on what to say, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past a turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's It's our roads. It's It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Women hear a lot about self-care these days. Advice on ways to relax, exercise, eat healthy, and more. Those are all great. But one of the most important self-care steps we can take is making sure we're financially secure later in life. That means saving money for retirement. It's never too late to start. And it's the kind of self-care that brings peace of mind that lasts. For small steps you can take to save for retirement, visit WeSaySaveIt.org. That's WeSaySaveIt.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Ashiro's work is never done. You care for the house, the kids, and our future. We're so grateful for all you do. Now, it's time to care for yourself and save a little more for retirement. A free three-minute online chat can give you the personalized tips you need to boost your retirement savings now. Visit aceyourretirement.org today. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Talking to your kids about the dangers of vaping can be hard. Getting them to listen to hot gossip is easy. So here's some drama you could share with your kid. Dude, 
Did you hear about Cassie and Jake? No, but did you hear that vaping can cause irreversible lung damage and nicotine affects brain development? <gasps> Nuh-uh. You don't need to gossip if you want to have an open conversation about vaping. So if you want to get tips on when and how to talk to your kids, visit talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. As a truck driver, I've learned how important road safety is. I know that large trucks need more time and room to stop. That's why I always hang back and follow other vehicles at a safe distance. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving, try to remember to always give trucks extra space when you merge in front of them. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Just a few moments left here on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Well, it was the debut of St. Louis City SC in MLS play Saturday at Austin. And in the franchise's first game in their history, they came up with a 3-2 come-from-behind win. They were down 2-1 and got a couple of goals late. But defender Tim Parker scored the first goal in St. Louis City SC history to give City a 1-0 lead. I don't score that many goals, so it's kind of ironic that I scored tonight. I'm just really happy. You know, I think it's a culmination of all the hard work that we put in, and I was just in the right place at the right time. Parker on Saturday scored just his third goal in eight years, and he celebrated by putting the ball under his shirt in his belly. It was a way of announcing he and his wife, Kelsey, are expecting a baby boy in August. Well, how cool is that? Now, City's first home match is March 4th against Charlotte in that beautiful new stadium right off of 64 in St. Louis. What's great about that goal from Parker is that he had talked to his wife, Kelsey, and said, hey, if I score, can I put the ball under my shirt? And she said, sure, that'd be a great way to announce to everyone that uh, we're having a baby. So it all worked out. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Show me today. Email from school. How about the incident today? Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night, too. Did you have a clue? No, but you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you're ever concerned about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is gonna tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit